0: What's good? Will Freeman, Design.com talking to you day, today about what you need to know about buying and selling gold. Uh, this is really important if you're a gold guy or if you're interested in gold and relates to my new course, How to Survive the Great Reset, RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com slash courses. And the way that this ties in is because for a lot of guys, they're going to want gold, especially physical gold as part of that reset game plan. They might want some Bitcoin as well. But, you know, if that is part of your plan, or if you are at least interested in, um, you know, having a plan for it, which you should be, I mean, this is this is being rolled out over the next decade. We're dealing with major AI disruption in everyone's business. Um, we're dealing with the change, massive change in the in a, a global governance system that's going to be applied in all countries. And then we're dealing with a reset of the monetary system, which we haven't seen since 1971, post Bretton Woods where Nixon um, delinked the US dollar to the gold standard. And this reset is coming with central bank digital currencies, um, the removal of cash. Uh, it's gonna completely change the nature of money where you're gonna have to KYC log in to get your actual currency. Um, it's going to be tracked and traced, it might be programmable. Uh, that's being thrown out there. There might be limitations on the amount you can own your personal bank account, although I think in your business bank account, you're going to be fine because there's still going to be um, rules available you can use to stay wealthy because this is going to be implemented by the wealthy people. Again, that's all covered in the course, RevolutionaryLifestyleZone.com forward slash great reset, as well as in my um, net worth course, and which you can find at the, at the same link. And, you know, both of those are designed to get you through this decade with your survival intact financially, your freedoms, which are going to cost you more, right? To buy the carbon credits to eat what you want, to buy you know, to to make sure you've got the right social credit and if you have to make donations to charity to buy that and things of that nature, to pay for the ESG tax on your business, uh, the implementation of ESG governance on your homes. And this is not some wild theory if you actually dig in and investigate the white papers, like we've done in the RLD Brotherhood, RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com forward slash Brotherhood, uh, you can see that, um, you know, this is, this is out there openly spoken about and going to be implemented. So it's not a political viewpoint on this. I am a cold hearted observer of reality and a player in the game of life. My message to, to you since 2012 has to also become a player and the rules of the game are changing and you need to be properly prepared both in understanding what what you're doing i think you need to be aiming for eight figures over the next decade either in net worth or at least you know 5 million in business revenue maybe another 5 million hedge across your net worth we're talking about top 50,000 to top 200,000 in in the world out of 6 billion people if you want to know that you're going to get through this thing for sure as opposed to just Betting on Bitcoin and fingers crossed, and hoping that you know it goes to the moon and you're still able to convert it into something you can use five, ten years from now. uh, Because chances are, you know, there'll be more countries like El Salvador where you can actually spend the Bitcoin, but there's also a high chance there's going to be a lot of pressure against that, and a lot of countries that you know aren't going to allow um, any type of Bitcoin spending. So at some point. When you want to buy something, in, in you know a lot of countries, right? And I've got guys from every country in the world. Um, you're going to need to be able to convert it to whatever that country's CBDC is, or whatever the um, you know kind of e-payment system that they would have in that country. Where you know, in Thailand, for example, it's Lion Pay or Rabbit Pay, and you know, you still have to KYC to get access to that, and you can use that to buy things in the shop, but um, You know, the odds are it's going to be regulated and tracked and traced, and maybe all of this doesn't go through by 2030, but we're going to see a lot of it going through. Uh, It's moving very quickly, in addition to, you know, the major AI disruptions that are going on. um, You know, this is the most chaotic governance, economic, and and financial time um, that we've probably seen in the last hundred years, if not hundreds of years. Um, I can't think of a time throughout history where there's been this much exponential technical technological changes in addition to global governance changes which we've never really experienced before um, and changes into the monetary system not even the monetary system the nature of money like a CBDC is going to be a completely different type of money um, because it will never be in your custody like a physical cash is, um, and it will be traced on everything you spend so I Think it's worth looking into gold as part of your plan um, If you're already interested in gold then you know you you're on top of it But you still need to know this stuff because this is some deep level research that I've done here That you might not have thought about and if you're interested in gold you also need to know this stuff Um, and if you're not interested in gold, that's something you might want to consider. I've got a client and friend in our, um, our brotherhood here, and he's a big gold guy. And we've got big Bitcoin guys in there. And sometimes they debate politely, um, because you know, that's the nature of the brotherhood. And he makes some really good points about the track record of gold, the 5,000 year track record. And the chart looks fantastic from 1971. Once, once it was delinked from the dollar you know it's gone not straight up but it's um you know a, a great looking chart with some dips in it but it's it's very clear that you know that delinking was um you know it's it's really just the dollar depreciating against gold right uh, gold still depreciates as well there's inflation in gold but at the end of the day the depreciation is so much less than the dollar um so when those two are delinked it's it's looking like gold's going up, but really it's it's the dollar becoming more and more worthless over time as it's not backed by gold. But we're not talking about a libertarian fantasy here or return to a gold standard. Uh, I think the odds of that are pretty low, always possible. We're talking about what to do with um, paper gold, um, things of that nature, but more specifically physical gold because I don't see a huge incentive to buying paper gold. If you're looking to get into gold, because I think the reason you're looking to get into it is to have something that you can custody on your person or custody in a facility that's, you know, physically held, um, you know, not tied to, uh, you know, basically a, a derivative, which is what, you know, paper gold is held online, right? Something you can physically own and hold and look at and feel a sense of security that that physical asset is going to have value. And there's a good case that um, there's going to be a major disparity between the value of paper gold and physical gold as the, you know, perhaps gold stocks run dry. A lot of gold guys talk about gold being suppressed. And if if it becomes unsuppressed, there's going to be an even greater disparity between paper gold and physical gold. So I think if you're going to own gold, you want the physical gold. Uh, But we're going to talk about the intricacies of buying and selling, and what does that actually look like in some type of economic collapse scenario? So, based on my research from a number of sources, the the guys that are buying and storing gold themselves have have a potential real problem. Okay, and if you love gold, you know this is not a, an attack, but um, it's very important what types of gold you buy. Like, if you just think you can go. To a dealer and buy a bunch of gold bars, you might have a real trouble selling that if you're looking to sell it. Like he'll he'll sell it to you, right? But but when the time comes around for you to sell it, you might have some real trouble selling that because the average gold buyer isn't isn't buying bricks and bricks and bricks of gold. Um, they're buying specific types of coins, and there's there's different types of coins that are valued higher than others. So gold is not just a set price, you have to think about what it's like to actually sell the thing and they have, um, I forget the actual name of the coin, it's like a double-headed eagle or something. There's there's sort of these premium coins that you're supposed to buy um, if you want something with maximum resale value. Because keep in mind, this this physical gold is not traded like equities are on an open market where it's the same instrument across the board and there's a ton of liquidity. Uh, you might only have depending on how big your city is, five or 10 gold dealers. And that's really your source of liquidity unless you can arrange some type of private barter or private exchange. But, um, you know, you're taking a major risk if, if you're having to rely on on barter, right? Um, so in my research from these sources in a major American city, they'd gone to four or five gold dealers and all the gold dealers, despite the fact that they had these um, double-headed eagle coins or I can't remember the exact, Type of coin, but it was the sort of A type of gold coin. The dealers were offering them twenty percent below spot, twenty percent. So spot is the current price of gold on the uh, what's supposed to be the open market. I think it's it's measured a lot by the uh, by paper gold. Um, they, but they're on the physical gold. They were offering twenty percent below spot, even though physical gold in general, um, according to my gold sources and clients. Is worth more than paper gold, um, and there's also a massive disparity be- or massive differential between what country you're selling gold in, and you know some countries will, um, you know, give you a better rate than than the spot on on physical for it. But in this case, in America, twenty percent below spot, um, probably because the dealer is trying to. Um, you know, wrestle him and negotiate and, and they start at 20% and, you know, they're maybe expecting a protracted negotiation because the guy's probably trying to sell a couple hundred grand and they're not afraid for him to go to another dealer because the other dealer's hitting him with 20% below spot and probably hoping he'd come back and agree to 15% or maybe they were hoping he'd negotiate harder in the actual um, dealership and, you their, their tactic is not to drop the price unless the guy's, you know, at him for 15, 20 minutes and, and then he'll drop it down to, all right, you know, I'll take it all for 15% last offer, but the guy wasn't going in hard. Um, whatever the case may be, 20% below spot. So let's say you bought gold, you know, five years ago and gold accumulated 4% compared to the USD in that five-year period. You're up 20%. You think you're good, you're gonna go sell the gold. He's telling you 20% below spot, you just lost all the dividends you made on that investment, right? Monstrous and very important to know. So if you do live in North America, before you go out and buy a bunch of gold, you should do a test purchase and see once you actually have the thing, right? Which he sold to you at spot, Go back and try and sell that back to him or to some of the other dealers and see if they're trying to hustle you and hold firm at, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20% below spot. Because then you know that um, buying gold in that that manner in your city is probably not the best way to do it. And even though you might feel safer with self-custody, you don't want to be in a position where you've got to go to another state to get the proper price or even in another state, you know, that's next to you you might not be able to get that. So that's something you should know. And if you've got $50,000, $100,000, 200000 worth of gold, and you know that there's a country, you know, Panama or Hong Kong where you could get spot by selling it, well, you can't just hop on a plane with all that gold. You know, you you can't take more than, than I think, $10,000 worth of cash. And I think that applies to gold as well. And um, even then, you know, If if a bunch of gold shows up on the X-ray machine, um, you're getting pulled over, and a lot of guys try and sort of hide it in a coin purse and stuff. But I still wouldn't want to be doing that with more than ten thousand, and and that still even might show up. And you know, even if you have five thousand on you, and it gets seen, um, that could get you pulled off. And you know, who knows? They might seize it. Maybe they're not allowed to seize it. But you but you're in a potential problem right there. Um, or maybe they say, you you know, you can keep it, but you can't fly with it, and you've got to go back and that type of thing. So that might be a scenario where even though physical custody on your person feels safer, you might be better storing it in Bullion Star in Singapore, where I've heard from multiple clients that uh, you can sell the gold at spot at any given time, as long as you do a phone call, go through the KYC, uh, do a video call, Um, there's probably some secret codes that you have to repeat and they'll sell it to you for spot. And apparently you can actually, um, log into the platform and view your gold in real time, or maybe they just take a snapshot. I'm not exactly sure, but you can actually look in and see that your physical gold is in the vault. Now you're taking them on on their word that could surely be manipulated at some point, but they have a pretty good reputation and I know guys that use the service, um, so, you know, you need to know, can you sell this thing for spot in your local area if you're planning on it? If not, you might want to store it in in um, some type of facility in a safe country where you can make that call. Uh, you, you're probably able to do that in America as well. Um, but you might find, you know, having something hedged outside of America and Singapore feels like it gives you extra protection in case... Um, There's some type of gold seizure scenario in America. With that being said, you are going to most likely have to KYC in Singapore. So if the government, you know, Great Depression style says to Americans, hey, we're going to buy all your gold. You've got to sell it to us. That uh, gold that you have in Singapore is going to be KYC. It is going to be seen and you'd be under obligation uh, to sell that. And you know, if you didn't, I'd imagine they'd be, you know, if they, if they are going for this forced seizure, uh, they are buying the gold at, at well below market rates as they did in the uh, during the depression, and they are, uh, I would imagine, going to look into every, you know, owner of gold pretty pretty heavily, because it would have meant there's some type of depression scenario, um, you know, the currency is becoming worthless, and you know, they need to get their hands on some gold for, for cheap um, so that they can use it to trade with other countries as well as to prevent you um, from selling all your currency and putting it into gold because that, you know, depreciates the currency even further. Okay, so, you know, you might be just as safe storing it in a, in a facility in an Amer- in America, if you are an American. Um, if you're not an American and your country doesn't have a track record of seizing gold, they still could. So then you might be, but you might um, be better storing it in, in somewhere like Singapore. But you also have to factor in, uh, you know, do you have citizenship in that country? Do you have permanent residency? Well, okay, if there's another pandemic, um, you know, you can't get over there physically to sell it. Ideally, you could still sell it on spot, but you just have less rights in general. If you know, let's say you're storing it in in Hong Kong, and the you know the Chinese, um, the CTP moves in harder on Hong Kong, right? The Communist Party, um, you know, and and tensions rise with, let's say, America. Um, you know, you're in a, you you could be in a greater position to get that asset seized when you don't have permanent residency and you don't have citizenship and you and you kind of have no recourse against that seizure. Whereas in America, where you are a citizen, um, you would have some recourse against the seizure and and. Could take them to court and, and things of that nature so that's something to consider um so the other thing to consider if you're physically storing the gold yourself is, is let's say the disaster scenario does happen right either hyperinflation like in weimar republic germany or in uh, a deflationary depression which was the great depression and again this is covered in the great reset course design.com forward slash courses. You need to be prepared for both because despite all the talking heads on uh, the media and on YouTube, no one knows which way it's going. Well, first of all, no one knows if there's gonna be a collapse. Um, second of all, no one know, would know which way it's going. And um, thirdly, no one can predict the, the timing of this. There's just way too many factors involved. Um, And it's really based on the confidence of the people, not some, you know, arbitrary economic indicators where things have to fall apart, right? Regardless, for physical ownership uh, where you're self-custody, right, whether you're storing it on your person, um, in your primary residence, in a storage facility, uh, you know, in your backyard under the dirt, wherever you're storing it let's say there's a disaster scenario, either hyperinflationary or deflationary, regardless, right? And gold now becomes exceptionally more valuable than the currency, which, which could be the case in hyperinflation. In deflation, the currency value is actually going up, um, but let's say even in, in deflation, the value of gold could still skyrocket because um, we don't know how people are gonna react to you know, a disaster scenario, right? And in hyperinflation, as the currency is becoming worthless and gold is 100xing or whatever it did in the past or or would do in in this future scenario, um, you've got a lot of people that are struggling. In deflationary depression, the the currency might be going up, but people have lost their jobs, they've lost their businesses, they've lost their homes as the economy's collapsed. So they're struggling as well. And let's say in, in either case, you know, gold did its moonshot. Um, it was finally unsuppressed. As gold guys have been saying forever, that it's being artificially suppressed and using paper to push down the the actual price of real gold, which may or may not be true, um, but they make a good argument for it. Well, all of a sudden, you have something of tremendous value, and then in hyperinflation, uh, the currency has like very little value. In deflationary depression, you've you've still got a ton of Starving people. Well, where are the criminals going to be hanging out to catch a lick? They're going to be sitting outside of that gold dealership, watching for guys who had hoarded gold come in with, uh, you know, security and try and sell the thing. And maybe you're fine if you've got your five hundred thousand dollars of gold and an armored truck and security and things of that nature. But um, you're going, to be, you're going to want to be on that journey, right? As opposed to just giving a few mercenary bodyguards that you hired or a few uh, guys who work for an armored truck company $500,000 worth of gold in a depression environment and just hoping that, you know, um, they're not going to run off of the money, right? Uh, which you could see happen in, in those cases. You know, desperate times call for desperate measures. So you'd have to think about, who's going to be guarding that, who you could trust, um, to both protect you and not steal it. Should you be going on the run to make sure that, you know, it's handled properly and maybe they think twice about actually stealing the gold because they would know that they would have to dispose of you to actually do it. And now that would create more attention. Um, or would you rather not go and take the risk, you know, only risk your money and not your life. Um, but let's say you are able to go to the facility and you are able to sell that gold. Well, you know, how do, how do we know that the gold dealer isn't um, tipping off the criminals? And I don't mean the guy who owns the place. I mean, the the secretary or the, the uh, you know, the, the low paid ops worker who can see the whole database is not tipping off criminals about who sold a bunch of gold and therefore has gold in their home, even if that dealership has a tremendous amount of security. They don't have to go to the dealership to sell the gold. They just need a database of, of the customers who've sold a bunch of gold, knowing that they probably have more on their person or in some other area where you could be um you know potentially attacked and forced at gunpoint to to be able to uh, access that. And I've I've not known guys, but I've heard of friends who had friends and friends who know, who had known people in, in Colombia where they went to this Bitcoin conference. Um, because they're a bunch of, you know, middle-class guys LARPing and not understanding the street world and thinking they're safe in Colombia because there's digital nomads. And uh, these these dudes sent girls to match with them on Tinder, meet at their house, find out where they lived, and they came in and, you know, put a gun to their head and took all their crypto, right? Because they'd, they'd been tracking and tracing them at this conference, right? Uh, you know, this is what criminals do in... in you know, desperate times are in, in countries where, you know, it's not a first world country and they don't have the same type of money and opportunities. Um, so this is a real risk and this also happens in countries like the Mexico and the Philippines. From what I've heard, you, you don't want to store more than hundred thousand dollars in a Mexican or Filipino bank account. Um, because the, the girl working in the bank might tip off some of her homies from, from the neighborhood. Um, or they're working with a cartel or some of the local mafia and, you know, they're, they're not able to seize it directly from the bank, but they're going to come pay you a visit knowing that you're wealthy, where, you know, the average person in the Philippines might have $300 in the bank, right? So you're sitting there with 100000 not thinking it's a big deal because you're used to storing that kind of money in America and now you just made yourself a target. So you need to think that way in regards to the physical goal. Now, let's say the gold dealer doesn't tip off the person of your, your sale, right? And you're able to physically deliver that gold to the facility, um, you know, with the armored truck company or the, the bodyguards or whatever without issue. Well, what are the criminals doing in that scenario? Especially hyper a hyperinflation scenario where, you know, cash is complete trash and gold has 100x in value or whatever it does. They're staking out those gold dealerships in an unmarked car and they're writing down your license plate number and they're going to follow you home or maybe not on that day, but they're going to find out where you live. Um, you know, they're going to track you down and potentially find you in the same way and get you to reveal the rest of your gold storage. And it it won't matter, you know, how well you've, you've hidden it when (laughs) you're getting tuned up, um, by these guys over the course of a couple days, you know, you're going to be telling them everything. Not to mention, um, you know, that's probably not going to end well regardless, right? Like, you know, even after you've given up the information that might end very badly. So forget about just losing the gold. It's even more about you've put a target on your head, um, just by the mere fact that you went and had to, to sell it. As opposed to had you been holding that in a facility in Singapore and sold it at spot, yes, they they might have reneged on that promise, right? But you're the odds of of a criminal coming after you and being able to see your um, the records of that facility in Singapore with you in North America or you know another country in Southeast Asia is much lower. Um, and On top of that, imagine a disaster scenario where, let's say like the Great Depression, right? People are a lot less peaceful than they used to be. Let's just put it like that, and there are a lot of different interests in countries. Um, There's a lot of tension between various groups in, in America that there wasn't in the 30s, where You know these guys were completely broke and would peacefully wait in line at the soup kitchen hat in hand you know desperate to find work um that is not the case anymore you've got you know 25 percent of the population's on welfare that's you know and if that's removed you're you're seeing violence in the street immediately um you're seeing all these tensions between these various groups boil over if if you know the finances are disrupted. Like the only thing preventing that right now is the relatively comfortable existence in America that people feel like they have too much to lose, but that would boil over very quickly. So when you actually need to sell the gold, assuming if it's stored physically that you can sell it uh, without issue of of seizure or um, some type of attack on your person, you have to go outside in the first month of this fucking collapse scenario, right? Like I don't, I don't want to own anything that I have to physically go outside. Okay. You'd want to have, and listen, I'm not trying to sound like a prepper, but I do think it's wherever you base up, it will be good to, you know, have six months of protein powder and rice and, um, greens powder and stuff like that. Just stored in your storage room. In addition to your supplies, which I recommend buying, you know, years in advance just to handle it in the system. Right so in case of a scenario like that you don't have to leave your property right even food delivery um might be down like uber eats and stuff or risky you know because um you know criminals are are you know uber eats drivers become criminals um you know due, due to economic necessity um not to mention the price of food might be skyrocketing in a high, hyperinflation scenario, right? Like it did in Weimar Republic Germany, um, you know. But even outside of the criminal element that could be stalking the the gold facilities, right, or or getting access to the database, you just probably are not going to fucking want to go outside, um, you know. Especially going downtown to where these facilities are located, or these facilities might not even be open in the first month of a of a collapse because those guys aren't trying to go outside, right? They're bunkered up somewhere in the countryside, you know, trying to ride this thing out. Um, so again, it brings back the, the situation of to self custody in, in, you know, Singapore or Hong Kong or something of that nature. But in those scenarios, um, let's say this facility in Singapore, right? Cause let's give the, the cons of this scenario. Uh, is a gold storage facility and that's how they make their money Um, and all of a sudden the gold price is 10x, 20x, 30x, 100x. Okay, 100x is a wild example but I'm just saying, you know, in some type of wild economic situation crazy things can happen. Well, they just effectively made on, on, on the gold, right, you know, a 50x multiple of what they would have made prior to that, you know, to be able to, you know, sell that from where it used to be if they were going to steal it, right? If they were going to steal that, that customer's gold and they, they look and see, um, you know, we could get, you know, that, that, that price increase might have taken, outside of this economic scenario, 100 years or or 50 years in in our operation to see prices getting to that point, it happens immediately. They could be in a scenario of why don't we just take all this customer's gold and sell it. It's going to create an economic and legal risk for us, but, you know, this this would have been like 50, 60 years of, of profit, you know, for us to operate this thing for the next 50, 60 years. And this happens a lot with like, um, you know, online uh, steroid dealers, right? Where they build this great reputation. They, um, you know, sell for years, fulfill orders, have their reps commenting on all the forums. Then once they start to make a bunch of money, they don't want to be doing this forever because it's obviously illegal. They know that at some point they're going to get caught. So what they do is they start diluting the product, you know, for three months, six months to a year, getting more revenue, but they know that the goodwill carries on long enough to, you know, be able to have keep people keep buying. It's not going to last forever, but they don't care that it's going to last forever because what they do is in the final three months or six months of operations, they just take your money and don't fulfill the orders because they know that they could get you know, the profit from that final year of, of, of just taking money is five, six, seven years of, of profit if they were actually um, going to continue legitimately and they're looking to get out of the business with a bunch of money and, and not get caught anyways. Um, so you could see a gold dealer sort of move into that scenario where they look at the, the situation and being like, you know, we could take our money and run and get what would have cost us 30, 40 years of operating this thing. And, you know, maybe they, to the local Singaporean citizens or whatever, um, you know, they they treat them fairly, but some of these facilities specialize in, you know, holding gold for foreigners who don't want to hold it in America, they go, fuck the foreigners, we're taking their shit, what are they going to do? They're not citizens, they don't have permanent residency, Um, you know, that type of thing, which I could see happen in especially like a Hong Kong scenario where um, if, if the Chinese Communist Party has, has moved in, um, you know, or if you're holding this gold in any type of, um, you know, country where an authoritarian regime has, has come into play um, in response to this depression and they've gone, you know, like, hey, we're taking the foreigners' assets. Fuck them. What are they going to do? Uh, so that's something to consider on, on that end, right? um so you know despite self-custody being the the ultimate um you know safety you've got no bidding markets you, you can struggle to resale um if there's a d- disastrous scenario you don't want to go outside uh problems going to the gold dealer in terms of of criminals but then you've also got problems with the storage facility and if they just outright steal it if they go out of business, what's, what's your, you know, how are you going to make sure you get gold? Um, You know, you don't want to be sitting there worrying if you're going to be able to get it, you know, are they going to make you hop on a flight to come get it after they've gone out of business because the, um, the KYC selling at spot thing doesn't exist anymore. And now you've got to take it out in physical gold and go store it at another gold facility in Singapore. I've seen this happen with guys who had a bunch of money in HSBC, Hong Kong, You know, they either said, you know, we're closing the foreigners' bank accounts. We're going to write you a check in Hong Kong dollars, uh, which has to be cash in Hong Kong. or We're going to give you a duffel bag of cash. So now these guys, they didn't have a second bank account. They're running around Hong Kong trying to find somewhere that's going to take their their check or their duffel bag full of cash, right? You also don't want to be in that type of scenario if they go out of business. Um, So there's a lot of factors involved. Uh, The other factor to consider is that... Um, gold is also inflationary. They, they they're constantly finding more. We actually don't know how much gold there is under the earth. We are taking at face value of the, the gold companies that, you know, it is a rare commodity, but they might've figured out 50 years ago, there's a tremendous, a treasure trove of gold using some new technology, right? Just like they found, you know, if they do fracking, there's a ton of oil in America and they, they could be. You know completely oil independent if the politicians would allow for fracking to continue well that might have been discovered in gold 50 years ago or 200 years ago we don't know um the you know the gold uh companies have a you know powerful interest in not you know presenting that as information um but we we can be pretty sure that the diamond companies are controlling the supply Um, there could be a tremendous amount of diamonds as well. And, but we do know with certainty that they are mining more gold every year than the previous year, right? And gold doesn't really, um, have value until it's been mined, right? It it doesn't have value in, at least in, in the retail sense when it's under the earth. So they're constantly bringing new gold into existence. Therefore there is inflation in, um, the asset of gold, um, and, you know, that, that means the currency is depreciating, it's just depreciating less than USD. So when you're looking at gold as an investment, I think it's important to understand that it's, it's not, um, to not think it's, it's not depreciating, it's just depreciating far less um, than USD. And Michael Saylor, who's a Bitcoin guy, you know, he is, he's got a good uh, few videos on the actual Gold depreciation percentages—it's um, quite complex, so I wouldn't be able to quote it here. He's also got some good videos on um, your threat level of having the gold being seized, and you know, it, it looks like you know, if you were to hold gold in one country in one facility over the course of a hundred years, it's it's probably going to get seized, right? Um, you know, if you'd been holding it in, in a large part of Europe during the World War II, it would have gotten seized. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to get seized because you would be like actively keeping abreast of the news in Singapore, wherever you're storing it and you know, ideally moving it out before that happened. Um, you know, but it's important to know the, the percentage risk of seizure, um, how it happened, um, how to prevent it. And if you're storing it in a facility like bullion star, what you need to watch in terms of the news to know when, um, to sell it at spot in advance. Um, and, you also need to know that it is a it is a depreciating depreciating asset as well, um, or it is a it is a I should say it is inflating as well. Um, so to think that oh you're doing I put everything in gold I'm doing great compared to the USD. No, you're still losing. Um, you're just losing less. That's very important, right? When you're comparing it to putting that money into a business where you're exponentially gaining more back because of the, you know, crazy percentage returns, even though it's in USD. But keep in mind gold is also in USD because that's how we measure wealth. That's what it's denominated in and that's what you, what you sell it in. So it's effectively the same in that regard, if that makes sense. Um, the other factors to, uh, keep in mind are, um, Although gold may seem physical, if it's stored in a facility, the accounting of the gold is digital, and it's KYC'd, and you know, you're, if you're trying to store it on your person, your barter options are limited. So, if it's in a facility, it's KYC'd and it's it's at least stored and accounted for digitally. And if you are holding it on your person, it's it's difficult to barter, and you're going to have to at some point convert it into the CBDC, the very thing that people talk down about, you know, fiat currency, especially CBDC. And I get why, but, um, effectively, even if it's property, right, your, 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 your rental property or your, or your home that you own outright is a physical thing, but your title and your title insurance is stored online. And when you want to sell it, you've got to sell it on the digital thing. So at, at this point in the game, especially when CBDCs are rolled out, everything, comes down to, you know, being accounted for and stored and paid for digitally. Even Bitcoin, even in countries where you can um, spend the Bitcoin like El Salvador, again, that's a digital asset, right? It's not being stored in that cold storage hardware wallet, it's stored in the in the blockchain and the hardware wallet just is the key to access it, right? So um, do not make the mistake of thinking that, you know, Gold is this purely physical asset, right, um, removed from the digital economy. That's that's only the case in terms of if you're able to secure legitimate barter. Um, and, and in that case, you would probably have had to maintain and develop relationships with other gold guys in some, you know, uh, community outside of the major city and sort of planning in advance how much you'd be able to trade that for because, if you were all in on gold and you really need to sell it during some type of disaster scenario and you don't have barter relationships in place, you're um you know you're in you're in big trouble thinking that you know this quote unquote physical thing uh was gonna be able to save you. Not to mention, let's say there is a disaster scenario and you are you know coming to a place of of bartering, well, how do we know that all the guys you're trying to barter with are reputable, right? they start to find out that this guy's got a lot of gold. Okay. Your name gets out that you've got a lot of gold. Now you've got that same criminal risk, right? Um, so you're not, not just going to need the gold. If you plan on bartering, you're going to need a fucking army to protect you. Right. You know, a lot of guys are up there in the country with just some golds and some guns in case there's some kind of economic disaster scenario, but one gun and some gold isn't, isn't enough. Um, you know, if, if that's kind of your, Your game plan, right? And it and it doesn't have to be. If let's say you're just living in Bangkok, Thailand, you could be in a a condo downtown with security, not leaving, earning online income, not having to defend yourself at all, right? There's there's other options in that sort of prepper option, and you know I certainly don't advocate any type of violence, Um, and you know I think there's other and better ways to do that nor would i want to live out in the country and farm and you know have to barter for gold like like i'm just not doing that you know i'd I'd rather just go off to a fucking monastery and you know if they're in some type of a collapse scenario and just get away from it I i would much rather try um you know living outside of america like i currently do and still maintaining sources of revenue finding out what you know, type of business, I can start in that type of environment and have my assets hedged across a number of different vehicles with gold just being one of them. Um, So back to the point, gold is not a purely physical entity when when it comes to selling or when it comes to, um, you know, the actual digital accounting of it in a storage facility. Nothing is anymore these days. Um, If we go to the argument of gold being suppressed like a lot of gold guys have that may or may not be true but again i wouldn't go all in on it to bet on the unsuppression of gold as the thing to get me through this next decade it would just be based on how much confidence i have on it a percentage of the net worth hedge um based around you know my risk profile and how much i like gold and how much i think it would do better than some of the other scenarios, but I still probably wouldn't have more than 10% in there and probably stored in a, you know, a few facilities. Um, lastly, you want to think about conversion issues. As I said, the, uh, gold was seized during the great depression Uh, you know, the, the law was in place that you had to sell your gold back to the government at, you know, much lower rates, which I think a lot of that went to Fort Knox. Don't know how much of the gold is still in Fort Knox and how much they've sold off. Um, Gordon Brown of the UK apparently sold a ton of British gold off for some magic beans back in 2008. And, you know, for countries that have done that, if gold does become, um, you know, a, a re-pegged to the uh, to some type of international currency or let's say the BRICS currency takes off, and and the U.S. dollar is collapsing, and you know that becomes the global standard, or maybe not the global standard, but it's you know a third of the world is using it. Those guys now are talking about a potential peg to gold, and I think I've seen whispers of Bitcoin, but they're they're talking about a a hard money um, peg uh, to you know a, a commodity like gold, um, and. You know, a lot of countries are using that to trade and those countries had depleted their gold reserves. They're fucked and they're going to need to get some gold somehow. And the first place they're going to look is, you know, taking it from the citizens at at the point of a gun. I mean, I don't think they'd be that aggressive about it. They just put the law in place and most citizens would comply. And if you're if you're not complying, you're now in violation of a law. And this thing that was supposed to get you financial security now comes with a lot of financial insecurity, and you're, it's turned you into a criminal to be able to, um, you know, have to sell it on the on the black market, right? So there's uh, there's legal conversion issues that might take place in some kind of disaster scenario, um, and you know the the final point I guess is. Um, you know, just any type of transport issue, right, where, let's say you're storing it in North America and you're, you're self-custodying it, well, you start to see some kind of collapse scenario. And, by the way, I, I, I do think you should already be out of North America, you know, just the, for the tax reduction, quality of life, income arbitrage, geo-arbitrage, and, you know, if you're a single guy, arbitraging your dating market value. I left uh, Canada in 2014. It was probably the best decision I made of that decade, Uh, truly. And and my friends, all the expat entrepreneurs in the RLD brotherhood, revolutionary lifestyle design.com forward slash brotherhood feel the same way. Um, But let's say you've got a couple meals stored in a facility or store, sorry, stored on your person and, and you know, in your, your house, your parents' house, under your backyard and your girlfriend's house, whatever um and now all of a sudden you want to leave the country right and you've got a couple million maybe maybe you're trying to leave fast right because you're seeing some kind of hyperinflation or deflationary depression coming man what are you going to do with all that gold like you you won't have time to sell it if you if you do have to sell it at a rush you might not be getting that good price they might be you know trying to hit you at 20 percent below spot some dealers aren't going to buy $2 million worth of gold, right? You have to, you might have to go to multiple dealers to be able to piecemeal that off because you've, you've got too much. Um, and you're trying to do that in some type of time-sensitive scenario. Um, I'm just imagining, you know, uh, Russians or Ukrainians before the war. And again, I'm not taking a position on that, just talking about the economic issues. Um, and they start to see that this war is going to pop off. They're probably washing cautiously. And then, you know, all of a sudden from one week to the next, it's popping off, dude, they're, they're out of there. They're heading for the border. They're trying to get on a flight, but there's no flights, right? I heard a lot of Russians came into Georgia, you know, 20,000 a day at one point and including wealthy ones too, who weren't able to get a flight out and they all booked it to the border and, um, you know, were bribing guards along the way. They're, they're not gonna be able to leave with $2 million worth of gold right they're gonna to have to hope that um you know when they eventually do come back to the country if they do come back to the country that they'd be able to find that and have been stolen and you know even worse than that is you know if you're heavy into it you now can't use it right so um you know a lot of issues there but again there's the, the positive the five thousand year track record the quality chart Uh, But this is stuff you all got to take into account, okay? This is not um, a direct plan for what to do. Um, This is an educational video on what you need to take into account for gold as part of your hedge against the reset and part of your eight-figure net worth game plan. Um, But I'd say even more than that, this is how you need to be thinking about your investments in general. Uh, this is the kind of research you need to do. You need to do this type of research on your business about how your business would be infle- infected in a or, or affected in a um, either hyperinflationary or deflationary scenario because it'd be different based on them. And this is the exact type of stuff I go over into this hyper depth in my Great Reset course, How to Survive the Great Reset, as well as my Eight Figure Net Worth Game Plan course both of which you could find available at design.com forward slash courses. Highly recommend you pick up both courses. I think it'll be the best investments you make this decade, as well as we'd love to see you in the brotherhood, Design.com forward slash brotherhood. If you want to be around other guys who think the same way I do, six, seven, eight figure entrepreneurs, in addition to you need a marketer, you need really anything. We've got Either a guy that can do it or a connection to it. You want to know where to store your gold, like finding out about places like Bullion Star. How to store your crypto on a hardware wallet. We've got guys that know everything. It was one of the best ideas I had this decade. Was putting that together. It's been so useful for me. I mean, like, of course, I like selling it and making money. But ninety-nine percent of the value at this point is the actual network that you know I can now access and. Um, get information from. And I think you'd find it the same way. Other than that, man, appreciate you watching this long ass video as I tend to do, but I just want to make sure I nailed it and covered everything in depth. Love you. Um, Appreciate you watching my stuff and, uh, you know, make sure to subscribe if you haven't do so. And other than that, I'll catch you in the next video. God bless you.